right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by CarParts.com. If you have not checked this place out, you got to jump on this mobile experience. Simple, easy. You get parts dropped right to your front door, garage door, back door. Check it out. CarParts.com. Kev, I'm fired up for today, man. Yes, sir. This is a topic I know we both love, man. This is this is going to be a fun one. Yeah. You know? And yeah, you- a little throttle therapy. <laughs> yes, sir, man. And speaking of throttle therapy, I got... A good dose of it this last week, man. Nine-day ride with a bunch of bros across the country on Fun. motorcycles. So, yeah, dude, today is all about bikes. Man, I can't say I've ever done nine days solid. Now, I've probably ridden for nine days during the summer solid, you know, back-to-back, but never nine days just on a bike nonstop. Gone four, gone five, had a little break, gone three, gone four, back, whatever. But nine days solid, bro, whoo, that's got to... It's got its ups and downs, so to speak, right? <laughs> yeah, but I tell you what, man, it was rad. Um, you know, it's one of those sort of human challenges where, uh, you know, there's some days where you, you're feeling the fatigue, you're feeling the wind buffeting, all that stuff. But, you know, your 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 adrenaline, your adventure, everything is just pushing you forward. And, uh, you know, by the sure. time you got to the end, it was just, you know, nothing but high fives and accomplishments and scenery. I mean, we got to see, I mean, we went from Albuquerque up to Durango, jetted over to Moab, went through Arches National Park, Zion National Park, looped it back around to uh, Monument Valley and back to Albuquerque, man. 1,600 miles. Now, I will say, uh, we haven't talked about it on the show yet, but I blew out my shoulder here a couple months back. I got a couple screws, a handful of screws and zip ties holding this sucker together. So I had to be the lone guy that rented a cool little ride, little uh, Z4 Roadster, little M Roadster, as my daily, uh, and then, you know, as guys kind of tired, fatigued, or just felt a little bit of compassion would swap out with me and, and let me ride. So I got a couple hundred miles in maybe here and there over a couple of days, and it was fantastic. Uh, but I got to hang with the crew, got to do all the, you know, socializing and goofing off afterwards, seeing all sure. the sights. But, uh, man, it was a riot, and I'd do it again. Man, I've been on a bike since I was a kid. 
Uh, I cut my teeth. My dad had his 1976 or 7 KZ1000 back in the day. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I turned 16, bro, I was straddling that bike. I had a little mini cycle. Actually, me and my twin brother had motorcycles with the little Briggs and Stratton on there before we were actually riding, riding bicycles, which is kind of funny because my mom got us bicycles soon after that. It was like... You know, why don't you, you know, teach them to learn bicycles first? And we're like, nah. You know, we got a motorcycle early, and uh, I've always, you know, always been a rider. Always, you know, I, I got a motocross track in my backyard, race pro motocross here in the state of Colorado for a number of years. Always had street bikes. Um, have you, have you, I don't know, shifted a little bit where you're, you're thinking about getting a bike? Because there's, there's something about being able to throw your leg over a scooter, man, crack off with a buddy and just hit some canyons, some curvy roads, or you know, even roll down the highway. There's something so suddenly different and and interesting and addicting about a motorcycle. You know, the vibes, the feel. You know, just how close you are to the, to the pavement. Sometimes I don't know. There's something about it. You know. Oh man, dude, I'm a two wheel guy. I grew up in a thou shalt never ride a motorcycle family. <laughs> so of course, yeah. when I turned 18, I went and bought my first bike. You know, scratched together a couple hundred bucks, picked up my bike. Pull it at home. My mom's freaking out. I'm like, hey, right. what are you going to do? You know, I'm 18 <laughs> now. So I've been riding now for 30 years. Uh, street bikes. Uh, just sold my XR600 dirt bike. I'm going to get something a little more practical, a little more new, modern, and probably appropriately, <laughs> yeah, practically sized. Uh, but yeah, dude, I've been riding for 30 years. And, uh, you know, it's tough up here in Michigan. I'm out of Detroit. The roads are terrible. So since I've been up here, street bikes have been hemming and hawing. I got so many toys and, uh, you know, Things I like to do, you know, wakeboarding and boating and mountain yeah. biking. Uh, so I stuck to the dirt bike thing, uh, which I'm going to upgrade here. But uh, yeah, I almost bought a bike a couple years ago. I bought a little Virago for my wife okay. to get her feet wet again. I was going to buy myself a Ducati Monster and then boom, uh, she got pregnant with oh, a little yeah. kid. So that kind of kibosh for a little bit, but man, I yeah, love man. the bikes. Anytime I can get on a bike, dude, uh, any kind of bike. I love the mountain bike, the motorized bike, the dirt bike street bikes man our guest today has cut his teeth on every single one of them all the above would be his answer on what kind of motorcycle you've ridden uh you know it's funny when you say kevin dunworth man a quick google search and you're like damn this dude's got crazy skills he's crazy talented and uh we can't wait to talk to him so let's dive into a break when we come back kevin dunworth dunworth machines he joins my man kevin bird willie b it is the two guys garage podcast we're back after the break It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by CarParts.com. You got to check them out. That mobile experience waiting on you. All your parts ready at your disposal, man. It's quick. Oh, quick and easy. Man, what a time saver. You're not going to the store. You could be doing anything. Do a little quick search. Make model year. Bam. Hit the button and it's shipping to your door. Love it. And the savings are huge. Now, I tell you, man, uh, super excited to have Kev on here. This is going to be a fun fun session now this guy custom bike builder one of the top in the country man just like you said and he's been on all kinds of tv shows uh you've probably seen him on anything from naked speed cafe racer tv uh wrench against the machine this guy's been everywhere and done it now what i love wrench dude, against the machine. is he's <laughs> yeah he's all into uh to customs but this guy is all about performance right and and you and i i think are the same way like love modifying love people's vision their dream but dude we want to go fast we want to rip it up and that's what this guy is all about he's got the whole package man 
looking styling as hell, but going crazy fast. So, Kevin, man, when did you know, bro? When did you know that motorcycles were were your thing? I, I recall when I was a kid, my dad bought some oversized football, like a kicker helmet, had one little thing in front to protect you if you're, you know, if you would face up. And uh, I remember riding on his KZ-1000. I was holding on to the middle hand, part of the handlebar, and he would go so fast that the air would shoot down my nose and my mouth. I couldn't even breathe. I was like, go this fast, you know? And uh, I, I knew at that moment I, I was always going to have a motorcycle. What was it for you? When did it, when did you know? I, I don't know. You know, I, I was always, um, I was always uh, around it. You know, my dad was in the motorcycles and, you know, he wasn't in the industry or anything, but he always kind of had like a, a good eye for different cars. And, you know, he liked hot rods, but he, you know, he also knew what like a 2002 BMW was or, you know what I mean? Or, oh man, check that out. That's an old Datsun 510 race car, you know? So I was kind of brought up in like a, a, a broad understanding of um, all things that were kind of cool, you know? And um, for me, from motorcycles, it was just, um, you know, I don't know. It, it just as soon as I saw one, I was like, man, that's, that's the coolest thing ever. And, uh, kind of like, it sounds like maybe you guys, it wasn't necessarily just a chopper either. It was like, I just, you know, saw these guys going by on a, you know, seventies super bikes and just went, Whoa, man, that's in- incredible. And, and, uh, and then my father saying, Hey, yeah, you can, you can go even faster on one of those for less money than you could a car. So as I was getting near like 16 and all, I mean, I never, I never shopped for cars or anything. I was looking for motorcycles when I was 15. And, you know, of course, my mom was less than happy with that. And my dad was trying to remain neutral so he didn't have to get rid of any of his motorcycles. You know, so, and um, that was it. And, I love how dads play that too. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know where he got it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, son. But that one would be cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, let me ask you, Kev. Did you have, did you have that Evil Knievel motorcycle with the little pool cord when oh, you were I a did. kid? Hell yeah. I, I didn't. Um, you know, it was funny. Like that was like, oh. um, you, you know, I, I, I may be aging myself or whatever. Like I always thought he was super cool, but my cousins had that stuff. Um, you know, I was that like uh, big wheel kid and, you know, kind of the crazy stuff. And um, I, I never got in and um, I know I'm going to be offending a whole bunch of people, but I never got into the dolls or any of the crap like that. Like even hey, the race. This wasn't a doll, man. This was a motorcycle <laughs> and it had a dude on it. And yeah, and you pull the cord, and man, you could jump everything. Oh, action man. figure, man. <laughs> right. action, action figure. Action right. figure. My bad. It's got a verb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I even had like one of those slot car tracks, and it was like, you know, you know, if it was pouring rain, it was like cool. You know, I played with it. But other than that, it was like, it was just one of those toys. I, I was just way into being outside. And like you said, BMX bikes and, and um, yeah. we lived in an area that let us ride some dirt bikes too, you know, so it was just kind of as soon as I was 10 or 11, it was, you know, hey, can I go ride that dirt bike again? You know, no. Okay, I'll go ride my bicycle. You know, so that was it. Yeah, growing up on a farm, man, I grew up on a big dairy farm, and it was tough between getting your chores done and having enough time to go burn a tank or two of gas, and that was always our, our big challenge. We'd get everything done, and then we'd go, you know, fill up bikes and go rip it up on the farm. That was always a blast for me, my twin brother, man. It was, uh, I'll tell you, as a, when you get that bug as a kid, right, it just progresses. You can see some of the stuff you've done. You know, you know when you made it, bro, is when you Google your name and you got bikes that pop up on Pinterest, bro. I'm just saying. Like, maybe one yeah. thing to be on TV, but you got yeah. bikes that pop up on Pinterest, bro. <laughs> you know, the, the funny thing is, is um, and, and I appreciate everything, you know, that you guys say, and I, I feel like I've worked hard to get there, but um, one thing that I can tell you, you know, in my youth was, 
um, especially my early twenties, you know, I was building bikes and I was really into like, um, speed, you know, eighties, super bike, cafe racer culture, um, biker call, you know, I liked it all, but, um, as I've been able to, you know, travel the nation and get more into it, it, it is amazing how many super talented people are out there. So it's like, I'm pretty confident in my ideas and what I build. And, you know, I, I definitely feel like I'm knowledgeable on broad strokes, but like, you know, I could name five dudes right away where it's like, you know, if I hit the lottery, I'm calling them tomorrow and I'm having all five of them build me a bike, you know? So it's, it's, and I think, um, <laughs> I think the guys that, you know, do what we do too, you always wind up appreciating as you learn more, you start appreciating what other guys are doing. And I don't mean necessarily just style wise, but you know, whether it's welding or fabrication or, you know, learning a little bit more about geometry or suspension or whatever it is. How, how do you fuse and integrate a little bit of the past, a little bit of the history, and a little bit of the modern performance, you know, and technology that's out there? Because you do a really cool job of kind of being an alchemist in that and adding a little of this, adding a little of that, putting a little of this in. You know, I, I, I watched that video of that 78 KZ1000 you built, and I'm, I'm just like, wow, using the, the Buell swing arm and how you flipped it and you grind down. There's a lot of integration of new technology, but in a really dope old school platform. So where'd you find that harmony? Um, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's more of a philosophy or a theory of building than it is like a necessarily a style. And I just try to approach everything like, you know, if I had to use this engine or, or this frame, um, what would the skunk works guys do at the factory if they had access to, you know, modern brake calipers or modern bearings or modern rubber, you know? So like, if you like that visceral feel of sometimes the vintage engines and, you know, things that require a rider, um, I, you know, um, Kevin and I were talking about this a little bit this past weekend where it's like, um, cars, everything we, we become so numb, you know, you touch it, the paddle shifters. And I mean, that's cool. I love that stuff too, but um, the visceral feeling of some of the older bikes and the older stuff mixed with good brakes, good rubber, you know, a little bit better geometry, you know, it's just fun, you know? So I, I, you know, there's a time period I'd say in my early twenties where I just, you know, everything had to be the most radical and fast as it could be. You know, as I get older, it's like, man, I'm, I'm fine with a 50 horsepower engine. If it, if it throws me over the handlebars with my pinky, every time I touch the brake, you know? And, and that's, and then you put that out there and people are like, wow, that's really cool looking or, um, and then, you know, as far as this, the stylistic of it, 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 when you get something that works, it just has a look that people can identify with. And, and I don't, I don't mean that to sound arrogant, but it's like, you can kind of look at a lot of pictures and you mentioned Pinterest. And you, if you are familiar with what you're looking at, you can kind of see the geometries just looking at a picture right away that I can go, oh, that doesn't work. You know, and I've built some bikes like that. You know, I look and they go, oh, that's so amazing. I go, yeah, but the swing arm doesn't work like it should, you know, or, or this doesn't work like it should. So, you know, as I kept trying to learn more about, you know, that ride quality and, and that's a constant compromise, especially with the vintage stuff, because we know more now, you know, like compare a 1940 car frame to a modern car frame, you know, so to trying to integrate those two without losing that kind of coolness of, for me, the seventies and the eighties is you know, my favorite stuff. Cause that's when I was a kid, you know? Um, so you see a lot of that influence, even in my cafe racer bikes from 20 years ago, they had more of a seventies influence than they did a fifties or sixties influence. And, you know, and then I'd put really modern brakes on them or cheat some stuff. And, you know, that stuff really wasn't done, you know, even, uh, 15 years ago, like nobody was doing that. Um, now everybody's doing that. So I, you know, I, I, I still feel really young and yet I'm already kind of grandfathered out of my own scene, you know, uh, people, <laughs> <laughs> well, you see companies yeah. even doing that. You know, you see 
Triumph and Harley and those guys bringing back some of those vintage looks, yeah. styles, you know, and all of a sudden they have all the performance. You know, I got a 72 Bonneville, I got an old Scrambler, a couple of Triumph bikes, and it's funny to see bikes in the in the dealerships now that look and are modeled after that older stuff, but like you said, they've got all the new flash performance stuff, you know, out of them. It's really cool to see how cyclical that has truly become. Yeah, and, you know, one of the rides that was on our group, right, was the Ducati, was it Scrambler, yep. right? And uh, is exactly what you're talking about. I mean, it it it's set up so old school that for anybody not attuned would walk up and think, "Wow, what what year is this? 78, 79? You know, but right, uh, perfectly right off the showroom floor with all the latest amenities. You know, so yeah, I mean, it's the you know what's feeding what the you know the the, the aftermarket, the builders, the custom guys, you know, and then the the OEs kind of picking up on that theme. So. You know, how do you spin off? Yeah. I think it's guys like Kevin, you know, get, building all that cool stuff and then people loving it. And, you know, they're replicating that in the factory because that's what people are putting on Pinterest. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you, you know, the designers that are sitting at any of the, the always bikes, cars, they're on Pinterest. They're going, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's so cool. If we could only get that through the committee, you know, like probably call it Kevin. Designers, they they have the eye. They have the eye for no matter what era, what generation. It's it's getting it through the you know the committees at the big companies. You know, the the market research people, right? The VPs. But it is cool to see, uh, you know, because not everybody can afford you know a custom bike that gives you that blend, right? And that's what's great about those kind of customers, right? Especially for builders like you, Kevin, is they can you know afford to you know come to you and get exactly what they want, but you know, for a lot of us jokers, uh, scratching our pennies together, it's kind of cool to get a little bit of new flavor in yeah. there of old stuff, right? That's really how I got started. You know, people always like laugh and joke, but it was like I couldn't, I couldn't afford what I wanted, so I had to go figure out kind of how to make it. You know, like I didn't, I didn't start going to a welding school or anything like that. I didn't, I didn't think that was going to be my future. But you know, as I got into it, it was like all right, I'm paying this guy a hundred bucks, you know, an hour to weld something for me. And, you know, 25 years ago, you know, he wasn't even that good at it. <laughs> it was like, well, I can go to the community college and get a, you know, learn some quick welding and then get in and read this book or meet this guy. And, um, I, I think that that's what drives a lot of the, um, home builders, you know, whether it's hot rodding with cars or garage, you know, a lot of really cool stuff comes out of just some kid, you know, um, I know you guys are into different cars and all, but like we got a kid here locally. He started with a Mazda Miata. He shoved an LS1 motor in it, you know, and then, you know, I, I didn't see him for two <laughs> years. And all of a sudden he comes back. He's got like a SR20 motor in it with like 500 horsepower and full coil over suspension. You know, it's like, man, what did, you know, the three year gap of like the first car I saw, I thought, geez, there's no way I would drive that thing. The second car I saw, I was like, man, this is incredible work, man. What, where'd you learn this? And he learned it all in his garage, you know, at night, you know, reading and <clears throat> looking at YouTube or whatever else, you know. My my papa used to have this saying, it was basically rock bottom has built more privilege than, he, than or rock bottom has built more heroes than privilege ever has. Um, yeah. And, and it's kind of true. If, That's a if, good one. If, yeah. if you ever stumble, right, or you're down low, you can't afford A, B, and C, right, you, you figure it out. And being, you know, on rock bottom or having that struggle always – Brings out the best in creativity, ingenuity, how to, you know, uh, optimize resources to to make your dream a reality. Uh, and it's really cool that, that you took that sort of 
um, that sort of approach to it and said, okay, I love speed. How can I get a whole handful of some throttle therapy uh, and all the, the fun that goes with that, right? But do it in something that I could pick up for a thousand bucks, right? And I can start building and adding my own personality to it. So it allows you a canvas to create. And obviously that's what you did and it, it's worked out well. Yeah. You know, I, I think too, um, I just been really lucky at being able to bump into, you know, you know, you gotta, they always say, beware of meeting your heroes. You know, fortunately, most of the guys that I thought were pretty cool or, um, even on TV, have, have watched before I was a, a, a bigger name or whatever, and you get to bump into them or meet them or, you know, throughout the industry. And, um, most all of us are always willing to offer help or guidance or do something. And, you know, in the last couple of years, I, you know, I'm actually making, you know, more of my living from doing industry stuff. And I feel like connecting people, than I am even just building bikes anymore. You know, the building the bikes gives me the credibility to do that. Um, but, you know, supporting other builders or trying to get their names out there, you know, connect talented people with corporations and stuff. I saw these little, it was such a struggle for me to get all that done, you know, so that's where I've kind of in the last, you know, five or six years, along with my, my last injury, you know, trying to make sure that um, I could feed the family when I couldn't turn ranches. Um, it's been neat and and having the understanding to kind of communicate one to the corporation side and then two to the builder side and connect those two guys has been pretty fun. Hold on. Hang on, Kevin. I'm marking I'm marking that at the fifteen fifteen mark where you said neat. Just just put it down, Kevin, uh, from Dunward Machine said neat. <laughs> there you go, neat. It's not, not something we hear too often. So that was really neat. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, well, look, bro, we're going to talk more about Don't Wear Machines, about what you're building, and where you see it going, because that's a big question. Where, where are bikes going? You see now the technology of, you know, bikes that you don't need a kickstand? What? Have you seen some of these bikes? Uh, it's nuts where they're going with two wheels. We'll talk about that coming up in just a minute. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, and we're back after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by CarParts.com. Check out the mobile experience. Simple. If you know the make, model, year, you can get your part dropped right to your door. It's that simple. It's done. 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 Yeah. Hey, Kevin, I got I got a question for you to fire off this segment. Uh, what kind of bikes do you really like building, modifying, maybe the most? Uh, we talked a little bit earlier in the first segment on uh, you know taking a lot of the old machinery giving it a different look and upgrading performance. But, you know, I see some builders out there too that might take kind of a newerish Ducati and turn it into something custom. You know, like a lot of people think customs are just, you know, a big old cruiser type bike, Harley type bike, but man, it could be anything. So where do you think uh, you get the most enjoyment out or where have you as far as uh, modifications? Man, um, I, I love, um, I love, you know, air-cooled twins, you know? So uh, I cut my teeth on the um, Triumphs just because, Again, uh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, um, they were a lot easier for me to get a hold of, um, which was kind of cool because in 02, you know, you mentioned earlier, Triumph Bonneville's came back out with a, with a new Triumph Bonneville platform. So all those bikes are 18 to 20 years old now. Um, so they're giving us a whole new surgence of um, donor bikes. Um, and then I, I, I bought a Buell in 1998. Um, so I love that air-cooled um, Sportster platform, which everybody, you know, in the Harley culture 
you know, a lot of times it's considered like a girl's bike. I mean, I remember when that bike first came out, man. Everybody and t- every Tom, Dick, and Harry got one of those, and every single one of them lost the race. No way, man. That's not what happened. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, slow. You're, they're slow, You're bro. whitewashing slow. history right now, buddy. No. No, that bike revolutionized a lot of things. That poor guy. He's not really known. So the so the Buell, the funny story of the Buell is I, I was into Japanese sport bikes, and my dad's buddy came back with one of those tube frame Buells, and I just thought it looked so cool. I couldn't really afford the Ducati. And um, I'd just been married. So, you know, my wife's family, you know, already thought that I was this, you know, long-haired hoodlum, you know, guy. And so we kind of like <laughs> consolidated everything, got her a semi-reliable car so she could get a real job. And then I went out and bought a motorcycle with our wedding money, you know, put that down. So nice. you can imagine how that went over, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with, the, with the rest of it. So I, I still have that one. But no, um, <laughs> you are right. Uh, I actually had a lot of problems with it and it taught me a lot, you know, um, uh, about the motors um flash forward now I've, I've done just a ton of those motors um 98 to 03 um it's probably one of my favorite right, things right. to to work with um we've we've got them where they're just a lot of fun they're dirt cheap um but my favorite bikes are still kind of the ducatis you know the 900 ss um i play with a lot of um st2 you know the 944 yeah. Um, water cooled motors, um, nothing, you know, most of the time for me, a donor has got to be something that's kind of like under the radar. Um, the problem is with Pinterest and, you know, the, the kids and in Instagram now it's like, man, it's, you know, as soon as a bike kind of, as soon as a couple builders start picking up on some good donors that make good performance platforms, like, like Fox body Mustangs or anything, it's like, boom, they're gone. And the price, you know, I remember when you couldn't give away a Fox body Mustang, now, you know, I, you can't find one that's not been crunched or crumbled, you know, so at least I can't. So it's ca- kind of the same thing with motorcycles. Yeah, man, you know, it's funny you brought up uh, uh, Triumph. You used to mess around with Triumphs. I, I found a couple of Triumphs uh, at a place here in Denver. And I, I honestly got, man, you're going to kill me for this, but I paid a couple hundred bucks for each of them. Uh, one is oh, like wow. a 66 Scrambler. The other was a 72 Bonneville. Uh, I got both of them running, man, and I, you know what? I'll hand Triumph some credit. I never thought that bike, uh, I never gave that bike respect, but it's amazing how fast those bikes were in, like, 1972. You know, you get the little 650 Bonneville, man, and that thing had so much mid-range power and torque. You know, you got to understand how to ride it because everything's on the opposite side, so it's it throws your ass off a little bit if you're not used to it, but... Wow, what a cool little torquey mid RPM bike! They were king of the road. I mean, they yeah. they obliterated everything. They they were winning races. They were winning flat track. Um, Nineteen seventy three, the Norton Commando, um, you know, uh, came with a disc brake, uh, rubber isolated um, Norton eight fifty motor. It just blew everybody away for power and torque. And then right then, uh, you started getting the KZ 1000s and the CB 750s. Yeah. And, you know, uh, they, you know, AMA actually even tried to change the racing rules. You know, they were like, oh, you can't rate. And that's why they said, okay, you know, we can't race 1,000 CCs. No problem. We'll do 750s against your 1,200 and 1,000 right. sports. Make it a six cylinder. Yeah. You know, and it's <laughs> so, and then the rest is kind of history, you know, but, um, and that's why I like those your bikes too like um the the late 70s kz 1000s and all that stuff um i i play with a lot of xs 650s you know i've done a lot of bikes with those over the years but um something about the twin like there's a little spot in my heart for the four cylinders especially the air-cooled fours that that sound is just you can't 
There's nothing out there that makes that sound. I, I got a bike from that era. I got a question. I got a question about. It. Do you ever give any credit to the? I picked up for eight hundred bucks the old Kawasaki LTD uh, one thousand. So it was more the touring. You know, it went as fast and yeah, ripping I, as the the KZ. My grandma had one of those. Yeah, right. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> but you know. The, I, I, for 800 bucks, you get that yeah. all day. No, um, they're, they're great. The, uh, the only thing that's really different about those is they had a little bit more relaxed geometry and the um, seat rails dropped down. Um, but they're great donors. You know, that's the thing. Like, if you see that um, green KZ that I built for uh, Bell Helmets, um, you know, that I just shot the whole back of that. It, it's such a simple build. It's, it's not even funny. I mean, um, you know, and, and that's kind of something I've been always working on, too. It's like... Um, you know, how do you take something and just, you know, dumb it down and make it as simple as possible? And um, somehow that becomes really hard, you know, hiding the wiring, making everything structurally sound. Um, but but again, they're they're um, they're really cool platforms to build off of. And, you know, unfortunately, they're starting to get balled up, too, though, because people are figuring that yeah, out. Yeah. Um, well, that only takes me to the next question is where do you see it going? You know, BMW just released that crazy self-balancing whatever motorbike, which looks all futuristic and whatnot. Where, where do you see, you know, bikes going in the future? Have you got to ride some of these, these electric bikes? And uh, are you, are you entertained by, by their power? Uh, Cause I got to throw my leg over one. And it's, it's very interesting. Where, where do you see motorcycles five, 10 years from now? Well, I, I do. I think we're in, um, and I'm, and I'm happy to be in it just because of my age demographic, but you know, we are in the last of the gasoline era you know, no different than those, you know, high horsepower days in the late sixties and early seventies. I think you're seeing it in cars and bikes. Um, the cool thing is, is that I think as a society or global society, we're, we're numb to the horsepower numbers now, you know, so the, so the cool thing to me, as we transition into, um, electric, I mean, they're putting electric bikes out with, you know, 200 foot pound of torque and, you know, 150 horsepower, and gearing them and you know there's a company in england that's um doing some super bike stuff that again when they when they can um get good traction control and get the weight of the batteries down a little bit more i mean it's if you're into performance and riding it's super cool um i still love burning gasoline and you know engines and high compression sounds but um i right, i right. kind of you know again i might get beat up at the bar for saying this but i i think electric's cool you know i kind of always have and um, I wish, uh, you know, some of the parts would come down in price so I could play with them more. You know, it's like hard for me to go out and buy a 2021 or 2022 electric bike and then customize it. Um, but as those are four or five years old, I think you're going to see more people playing with them. There's a, there's a guy named, um, uh, Hugo Ecliches. Um, he's out of San Francisco. I probably butchered his last name, but, um, he has untitled motorcycle. And um, if you check out Untitled Motorcycle, I mean, he's building incredible stuff. And I mean, uh, performance too, you know, just like you can say whatever you want about electric, but you can't like say, hey, a 10 second quarter mile times a 10 second quarter mile time. Right, right. On, on something that your wife could go get groceries in. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's cool. Have you got to ride one of those live wires or anything like that? Have you got to spend any time on them to see how they feel? I've spent a couple a couple hours on a couple different electric bikes. I have not ridden the live wire. Okay. It's, uh, um, they're wild, but I think man. they're it's neat. Nuts. Yeah. It's yeah. Neat. He said it. Neat. Neat. I got two. Um, <laughs> Did you write it down? Write it down. Take a note. Take a note. Uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause it's, uh, you know, 
it, it almost gives you the same experience when you talk about performance. Like, you know, if they're equal, but the electric bikes are kind of, you know, starting to show they're outshining. Um, you know, I noticed the whole ride, uh, depending on who I was near, you know, you're catching their exhaust note and it was so pleasing, you know, bah, 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 you know, like, I, I don't know what, what it would be like to, uh, experience all those miles in like almost deafening silence, you know, just wind. That's the thing. I mean, it's, you know, like it's going to be different, but if I was hauling ass, you know, if I was, you know, just instant torque and all the things that are positive about electric, would I be like, woohoo, you know, and, and I don't care about the sound. I oh, care about the sound. Uh, I just have my tunes in my helmet, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I love it. But um, is there an experience that you have and you go, yeah, but, you know, do you, do you just, do you just transfer over? Like all of a sudden, like I have a, a pontoon boat and I can drink beer on it. It's great. You know, like I can just motor around a lake and I have a Moomba wakeboard boat and I can go fly high, you know? I can catch huge airs and obviously they both have gas motors on them, but like the experiences are, are kind of different in their own way. Now that's a pretty extreme example when you're talking about a, a gas engine sport bike to an electric sport bike. But I mean, you know, maybe in the same way you, you, you just adapt to either one and go, that's cool. And that's cool, you know, but that means I have to have two, one of each. You know, and I'm cool with that. I think they're just you know? so different that, that, um, and I think that's the hard part for a lot of people, you know, um, especially I, you know, I work in one of, one of my business partners in the promotion stuff is, you know, he's 70 and my dad and his buddies are in their seventies. And I mean, you know, they're like, Hey, yeah, electric's cool. You know? And then they kind of like, I'll never ride one. You know, it's like, so <laughs> there's that whole generation of, um, and that's what we were brought up. Like, part of what makes our culture, car culture, motorcycle culture cool are the sounds, the smells, you know, the tastes, if you will, uh, of it, you know? So, um, the thing is though, you know, I've read a couple articles by some pretty intelligent people and the same thing happened when they first started bringing in automobiles, you know, guys are like, Oh, it's going to be horses forever. And, you know, why are they doing this to the streets? <laughs> yeah, you know, right. you know, our horses are going to have to get, you know, anybody who can't appreciate, you know, the sounds and the smells of a horse, you know, it's so, <laughs> I mean, um, history a hundred years from now or 120 years from now, you know, be playing this podcast going, look at these Neanderthals. Right. You know, can, can yeah. you believe they were worried about the noises <laughs> their bikes made, you know? Hey, but you know that, Hey, that live wire, for example, I got to, you know, throw my leg over to see that. And uh, it, I will tell you, it, makes, it does make it a little like you're in a Tron video game, right? The little, whoosh, you know, sound. It's, but it, it is weird when you're, you know, when you're trying to hit an apex and a turn and, and really bring the throttle on it. It's so instant it, that you, you get the feel of the bike really quick. It's got a little higher CG than what you, you'd probably be comfortable with really ripping up a canyon. But that bike inspires you to drive it. It's really odd uh, in that regard. As Kevin would say, it's probably it's neat in that in that manner. It's like it wants you to 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 lean into it a little bit, and it gives you the opportunity to lean into it a little quicker uh, than even some of its gas counterparts in in some ways because how quickly the bike reacts. So I, I feel, I'm interested to see where that goes and where guys like you take it when the when the prices on some of the parts become uh, at least affordable for you guys to start playing with yeah well you just said it too i mean if you just start looking at it on paper um imagine that you know with the right tuning and throttle control i can have 200 foot pounds of torque at any mile per hour at any technical rpm that i'm at i mean so you guys are car guys i mean imagine no matter where you're at and your rpm band or whatever you want to call it that electric motors are 
I've got 200 foot pounds of torque on a 300 or 400 pound motorcycle instantly, anytime I want it, it's right there. And then trying to learn how to ride, you know, it's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. It's going to be hard to, it's going to be hard to turn down those keys. You know, Hey, do you want to ride this? <laughs> no, man, it doesn't make a cool sound. I don't smell exactly. it. Exactly. I can't. It doesn't smell like anything. <laughs> smell like burning rubber in a minute. Right. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, oh man, funny. it smell like Gapplebee's because that's where you're gonna be. I'm gonna take you to Gapplebee's. Yeah, in about two seconds. <laughs> hey, a, a, a quick one here. So, um, give us a good sleeper bike. You think it's just it's a great bike. It's underappreciated. You know, someone's thinking about picking up a bike. You know, and get something kind of on the cheap, but a really great ride. Do you, Do you want me to say the one that I told you to get on the podcast? No, not that one. Because no, no, that's gonna, gonna drive the prices one. up right away. Um, <laughs> yeah pick another one number two um, i think i again i think the uh the amount of sportsters that are out there and the honestly the amount of disrespect they get from the from the biker culture um they're a great donor i mean i just picked up i just picked up like a parts bike for a thousand bucks right before i took that trip um and here's the stupid thing i could yank the motor out and put it on ebay and sell it for 1800 like but you can still find these guys who are like you know <laughs> my wife laid it down and you know, I'm not riding it cause it's a girl bike. You know, I'm like, Hey, I'll take it. You know, and we, I hop them up. I'm getting, you know, hundred, 105 rear wheel horsepower out of every one of those great five speed transmission. That motor fits in almost everywhere. Um, it's a little bit heavier compared to like it's Italian counterparts, you know, like the Ducatis and stuff like that, but, um, tons of aftermarket for it. And if you look at these street trackers that some of these guys out West are putting together, I mean, they're super fun, man. And you know, for uh, somebody doing it themselves, you know, for less than maybe seven grand, they could basically have an exotic, you know, air-cooled, you know, super bike. Yeah, so it's pretty neat. Um, you know, from there, I, I think the uh, the other ones are like the XS 650s, you know, like um, you still find those, you know, 70s, stuff like that. Tons of aftermarket, tons of fun. If you want a vintage bike that runs good, you can't beat a Yamaha, you know, XS 650. Nice man. All right, some good scoop. Now, where do people find you online? Where do people find you socially? How do they how do they find your Pinterest pictures? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, um, I I'm always googling naked men, and they don't come up. So, you know, but, um, the uh, the the uh, um, Dunworth Machines um, is you know what we do now. I'm I'm a Dunworth underscore on Instagram, and um, I have to say I'm kind of become an Instagram nerd over the last few years. So. Um, that's probably the best place just to kind of see the current, you know, lifestyle stuff. Um, from there, you know, I just try to do, um, I'm involved with a team AMD USA. Um, so we have team AMD USA.com. And I also put on an event in LA, um, for a couple of years, you know, with COVID we're, we're kind of on hold right now, but, um, called the golden bolt.us. So if you go to the golden bolt.us, it's kind of more the industry side stuff of what I'm doing. And, um, you know, the, the build side of stuff is more the Dunworth machines. Cool. Cool. All right, guys, you got to check them out, man. He's got some great stuff there on Instagram. I've been checking that one out. I just got an idea for you, Kevin. You got to do a cannonball run, but on motorcycles where they leave from the place in you know, I'm just saying we, we need to talk. Yeah. I, I'm all about it. They do that vintage cannonball run and it's, you know, it's neat, but the bikes are like 1915 and 
Um, I've been dying to do something like that. So we'll, we'll definitely maybe <laughs> off the air. We'll have to yes, chat. My man. All right. We'll talk about that. You guys make sure you check out our, uh, our show. It airs on weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand, which is a great way to find us. Uh, thanks to our guest, our boy Kevin Dunworth. Find him at Dunworth Machines. Uh, thanks to my man Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. Our producer, Scoop, and executive producer, Bob Ecker. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com, and share your thoughts with us. We're everywhere. Social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Now, this Two Guys Garage podcast is copyright 2021, Britain Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. You know, it's always cool when we have a little throttle therapy on the podcast and on the show. I feel like every time we get a little, you know, podcast like that or wrap up the show with a, you know, let's go test it and drive it, it's always a little bit better. Something yeah. soothing about a wah-wah or a burnout. You know, oh, like, dude. I feel rock, better. Rock. I feel better right now. Yeah, me too, man. Yeah. Well, let's end it on that note while we're still feeling better. <laughs> Take care, brother. I'll see you soon, all right? All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Take care. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.